0: Welcome to Bonehead. Jeez, 2022 killed all kinds of motherfuckers. Well, also it killed and some good people. Yeah, I tell <laughs> you, they're just going quick. And there's a bunch of other artists that we're not even going to talk about today. Well, and by the way,
1: in case you're watching this in the future, assuming there is one, uh, it's 70 degrees in the winter, folks. It could go either way. Anyway. Um, it was. It's 30. It was. We're it's expecting like, one We're to back 86. down now, yeah. Anyway.
2: We're going to be um, ravaged by ticks come summer. Just gonna I thought he was going to say
1: tits. I really did. I was like, "Well, ravage me, ravage me." <laughs> wrong, oh man. God. Wrong, I just, man. we need to do that. Can we once again? Let's get uh, um, Lloyd Kaufman on the phone and pitch Jurassic uh, something. I literally just have that. It'd be well, all we need is just this image of we'll use forced perspective. Us standing there peacefully as they attack. <laughs> force, per- anyway. Um, speaking of force perspective, no. Uh, but no, it, we're we're what we're we're less than.
0: Well, it's it's, it's we weeks. are recording this on January the fifteenth. Yeah, at we're nine fifty five p.m. on a Saturday. We are expecting snow tomorrow in the Lexington area. But Lexington, Kentucky, is where we're based out of. But people are dying left and right. Now they are always dying. Yeah, but people always die. But there's some what we've called before iconoclasts that all went rapidly, really quickly at the first of this year. And, right. and by the way, with, with a couple exceptions,
1: it's not shocking that they died. There's some exceptions.
0: One exception, yeah, of the ones we're just
2: one exception. I do we're going to talk about.
1: But it's still one of those things where you're like, really, like back to back to back. And then on all top right. of that, I didn't know this. Y'all may have known this. But I'm not hipping with it like you kids today. Uh, but on top of all of this, all this news of these iconic figures—by the way, I'm—I'm I'm not spoil one person that we'll talk about—but I'm wearing Golden Girl pants right now. to
0: <laughs> say panties. No, I no. wanted to see them. I wanted to see <laughs> Golden Girl panties and go, "All oh, Blanche."
1: <laughs> anyway, um, well, they would have to be all Blanche, right? And they would have to be very form-fitting. Anyway, the point being, though, okay. it's on top of everything else. I found out that Bill Engvall's retiring from stand-up, and you all didn't tell me. No,
0: why? Nah. I yeah. didn't know
1: he was still doing it. Well, he and so he – and he, by the way – Did he finally get he, a sign? I don't know if you all know this or not. But Did also, somebody actually
2: laugh at one of his jokes and say, I'm done?
1: He has also written dramas and things like that. He's a very talented individual. Um, but I didn't know he was – I mean, it, it's just a sign of the times. Well, however, you feel about Bill and Vol, which I would actually argue to me, he is the second most entertaining of people on the Redneck Comedy Tour or Blue Collar. Sorry, Blue Collar. Mm-hmm. Comedy ah, he's Tour. a deep fourth
0: so. for me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Really?
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I like Four. him more than sorry. I know, I know y'all are huge
0: Larry the Cable Guy fans, but I like the Vol- Larry the Cable guy, guy better than I do. Billy. He
2: makes me laugh. Yeah, he's yeah. made me laugh. Yeah,
0: Foxworth has made me laugh more than Bill. In, in oh, yeah, Bittle. yeah. Uh, I used see, to, yeah, I listen know to, Ron, Ron, I Ron White's to, top. Yeah, no one's arguing that. Yeah, Ron White's number one. Well, no, I've seen Ron White. Ron White was not the original fourth. Yeah. Well, I mean, right? it was replaced. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I don't forgot who dropped out or they fired, but he, well, was, and then they, they wrong. spun off and obviously Ron White be, went so I, long and he dropped out as well. I don't, I don't
2: know who I don't, it was, I don't know who remember who it was, but I believe it was something about asking him why Jeff Foxworthy gets the top billing or something like that. And the next day he was gone.
0: I don't know <laughs> if that's a true story or not. I, I know. That might be that, wrong. I know that Ron White had to tone down and PG is act. Right. But, and, and by the way it was the right decision for ron white and his career uh but yeah that's fyi for you all ron white was not the original fourth in the redneck kings of comedy or whatever it's called blue collar comedy tour sorry there you go Um, that means that no
1: i just I, i i brought that up though and i mean it somewhat seriously because i think it's just a sign of the times that you know we're we're getting older and a lot of the people that we grew up and if nothing else they were background noise bill engvall had his own tv show he did, he did you know he did all the
0: tours he did all that stuff he did a lot of spinoff and he was very popular with that here's your sign thing at one point he has yeah he had a good, well, like you're said, absolutely he, right he's much more successful than the three
1: of us well and um, but he's also an author he's done a lot he gets credit for here's your sign but he he wrote a lot of stuff he wrote dramas he's a he screenplay things like that very talented uh Maybe not your cup of tea, but that being said, I just I'm read it and I'm like, how man, better than Betty White. man, no, no, no. Yeah. I just, but I, it, it was just a sign of the times moment for me. I'm like, God, Betty White's dead. Bill Ingvall's retiring. Dead. Uh, 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 Jim varney has been dead a long time. I mean, what, when does it stop, Joe? When it does doesn't... it? doesn't. Well, eventually it does. You die. Well, and yeah, it keeps on going. You stop. It doesn't. See, if I learned anything from music from, I think, the 1980s, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into Into
0: the future. future. I heard that live. So what we're basically going to do now, we've we've, got to feed the children. We've not done a rest in peace show for everyone. But if you've ever noticed, and if you're a fan of the show and you've followed us for many years, for over four years now, is that we, if it's somebody that means a lot to us, we'll stop and say, this is the reason they mean a lot to us. And we're going to dedicate the next hour to two hours. Now, James had had the idea to dedicate an hour to Betty White. <clears throat> the issue is, is we didn't really know that we could do an hour on Betty White. Now I love Betty White. I'm a huge, out of the three of us, I'm the biggest Golden Girls fan.
2: Yep. I don't know. A, do you have the pants?
0: I don't. I don't. But it's probably because they don't make them in my size. Do you have a coffee mug? Well, no one
2: bought me one. No. Well, then oh, I guess I, I guess we need to reevaluate this. Uh, let's
1: let's
0: quickly. I didn't know it into was into all based on the merchandising. I was say,
1: let's quickly make this into what I'll just refer to as a Miller argument, and you know as it's going. Have you read the the extended novels?
0: So I'm pretty sure i could win at the trivia the contest, but we'll we'll move right along on this one. I I guess I need to do a better job with oh. the merchandising. The thing is, is right after that, the three other people that we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about four people. Betty White is the one that we'll all talk about. And I basically died within two weeks of this. And as we were discussing, I said, why don't we just do an episode? Because these other folks may not be someone we can do a whole episode on. Well, actually, one of them, a couple of them, could probably. Oh, we could probably. Yeah. But But let's at least do one episode where we remember... The things that that maybe you won't remember them for that we remember them for or that are important like for example you were James you're talking about Bill Ingvall and his writing I always when Carrie Fisher passed we didn't do an episode on Carrie Fisher but what I always want to say and what I posted on social media was yeah she is our princess but at the same time actually the thing that she probably had more effect or not I shouldn't say more effect but what she was more talented was is a writer and I don't think most people knew that Carrie Fisher, specifically if they knew her from just Star Wars, knew what a talented writer she was. Yeah, and she cleaned up a lot of a lot of scripts. Oh, she was a script doctor. She was a screenwriter. Yeah. She was an author. She was all these things, and she was a comedy genius. Oh, yeah. Well, I was about to say, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, She just happened to get cast as a princess in Star Wars because she
1: she did family voiceover work and was hilarious playing. Largely an against type character. But then on top of that, I mean, Austin Powers, anytime she popped up, the product was better. And what is better always comes to mind for me. But anyway, this is not
0: about. Yeah, yeah, it's not about. So who wants to go first?
2: Well, and before we do talk, we do want to talk about the fact that, well, I'll talk,
0: I'll bring that up in my next. So yeah, when do you all go first? All right, I'll start because it took me a minute. Chab was bemoaning, and I agree with him that we didn't have enough time to research. And I, I, I agree. We were two of us, we were locked down this week because of, not because we had, not, we're all fine, but exposure and how the life is. And and when you're locked down with kids, it's hard to do research because you're still trying to do your job. Oh yeah. But the person who passed in the last week or two, whom I'm pretty sure is a huge son of a bitch. I, I know this. I never met him, whom I am a huge admirer of a huge fan of his art, of his writing, of him but I don't think I'd want to spend more than an hour or two in a room with him was Peter Bogdanovich. Now for some of you all out there who are cinephiles, you're going to know who that is. And for some of you folks, you're not going to know who in the hell that is. Unless you're a huge Sopranos fan. If you're a huge Sopranos fan, Peter Bogdanovich played, um, played the shrinks shrink. He also was in many other movies. In fact, he started out as an actor. He studied with Stella Stella Adler. But Peter Bogdanovich, you know his quote
1: about that, why he, why he ended up a director? Why? The only, uh, I'll try to find the exact quote, but basically what he said was, it was the only way he could play every role in the movie.
0: He loved cinema. Peter Bogdanovich was born to immigrants who were trying to flee the Holocaust, and they made their way here to the United States, and he is of a generation where he could actually, at that time, tv became the babysitter in the late 50s 60s but before that the babysitter was actual movie theater and if you lived in new york or if you lived in enough town big enough town there were several cinemas and you could drop a kid off with a quarter i'm just going to say a quarter gentlemen but you know what i'm talking about <laughs> and, but right a nickel and they would have a, they would get an rc and a moon pie and watch <laughs> movies probably all not day. new york city but they would get cartoons and two or three movies and then right. he did soda, and there was a day of entertainment. And it was, if you read enough books like I have over the years about some of these people, that was their babysitter. And he was one of them. He grew up on cinema. He loved cinema so much so that he wanted to be an actor, studied with Stella Adler. it Didn't quite work out. I mean, he had a lot. And then he started programming. And I'm gonna, it's gonna sorry, I had this pulled up. He started programming in New York. I think it was for the new, I am so sorry. I missed this. I had it pulled up and it disappeared. And that's basically how he got kind of started because then he started, he would program movies. He loved directors before people loved directors. Okay. So that's a new thing. And what I mean, a new thing, people, ro- directors being rock stars only happened in the last 60 years. Probably oh, starting right yeah. around the seventies so people knew who yeah when we, was. when we yeah i was Go gonna ahead. say when we got out
2: of when we got out of the studio system when they and, you know, the like st- dennis yep. hopper and all of, like that's when the director became the focus for the most part
0: and a lot of it come from europe of the director being the tour and they became rock stars like spielberg like coppola and for most of you all don't realize 50 years before that John Ford could walk up and down the street and nobody knew who the hell John Ford was. Yeah, Nobody
2: knew who the hell Frank Capra was. No, they didn't know these
0: people and they could go to actual film school in the 60s. John Carpenter talked about many times. One of the great things about going to USC in the late sixties was that he had access to people that he never would have had access after or before because these people would actually come to their classes and speak. He met almost all of his idols and, they weren't considered rock stars. The only probably rock star Chad was what Hitchcock. Uh, yeah, because he put himself in his movies, and because people knew him from TV, and they knew him. They, they he was probably. I may be wrong. Somebody out there who's a film historian knows more than me might correct me, but Hitchcock. might come back was the with first... John
2: Houston or somebody like that. But yeah, well, no, I, I definitely it's think it's not nobody not, was not, at that level
0: of Hitchcock because not,
2: Hitchcock put himself he put himself in his commercials. He yeah. put himself in in the TV shows. Hitchcock was in your
0: face. The name no. was above the title. Yeah. The name it was Hitchcock Psycho. The name was above the title. Hitchcock was the first to me rock star or tour hollywood filmmaker peter bogdanovich worshiped these people yes james
1: well here's the exact quote i wanted to get this quote directly from peter bogdanovich um when somebody asked him about why he ended up a director at a certain point and i don't really know but people have asked me this i don't know exactly what it was that pushed me towards directing but i think it was a naive notion that if i directed I would be able to play all the roles. It was a
0: kind of creed. So, thank you. At the end, he basically programmed, he started programming movies for the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. He started writing criticism. He wrote a book on uh, John Ford. He also wrote about Howard Hawks, who was also Carpenter's favorite director. He started becoming obsessed with Truffaut, Goddard. Um, And then he somehow ended up meeting a lot of these people, becoming friends with them, which we've done similar in the sense of we haven't become friend friends. But right, gentlemen, we have interviewed some of these people and kind of hit it off because a lot of these people are what I've found. The thing that keeps repeating is nerds, (laughs) geeks like us. They're just nerds who just happen to be more successful. And we have developed friendships with some of them. And he did the same thing. And what happened was, is it ended up getting him a shot of meeting with Roger Corman. And he ended up working for Corman a little bit. And he moved his family out to L.A. And Corman gave him his first. He was one of the rewriters of the Terror. He reshot He shot some of Second Unit. He's like, "Oh, can I shoot Second Unit?" And Corman, uh, "Anyone can shoot Second Unit. That's my world's worst, Roger Corman." The best <laughs> Roger Corman comes from an episode with Courtney B. Joyner. No one does a better Roger Corman than Courtney B. Joyner, right off the top of my head. Anyway. So Roger Corman said, I have all this leftover footage from the terror of Boris Karloff. And I want you to make a movie out of it. If you can make it for it. I don't remember the, the amount, guys. If you can, it's basically less than $100,000, which even then was a pittance. If you can make the movie for that, shoot it next weeks and use this 20 or 30 minutes of footage. I have another four days that, that he owes me. Boris owes me. You can shoot that and we, if you can make a movie. So he did. And it's this movie that I'm going to pull up right now that I had just in front of me a second ago called Targets, which actually wasn't a huge hit. And basically I can't remember the serial killer's name, the one in Dallas who climbed the bell tower. Do you guys remember? Yeah, yeah. no, I I don't remember. I mean, I remember the the. Basically, so it's this horror movie actor played by Boris Karloff, some of the footage. So he was able to basically write this screenplay. Corman said this screenplay is amazing, but you're going to need You're going to need Karloff for more than the four days. He goes, just pay him for another week. So he basically got him for a week and so many days. He shot around him. Karloff was towards the end of his life. This is in the late 60s. And he was not in good health. And it's about a guy who loses his mind, starts killing people, shooting them, and a horror movie star that kind of converge in one day. These two lives meet. It's a wonderful film. It wasn't a huge hit. But it was a critical hit, and it gave him access to be able to make another movie, which is my favorite movie of his. Some other people like, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to the great, think. The Great American. I, I just nothing's better than the Last Picture yeah, Show. Picture Show. And because why did I not, say I was going to say, why did I call it
2: the Great American? I was going to say the Great American Picture Show.
0: Now it's the last picture show. It's written God the original novel was written by larry mcmurtry if you guys don't know who that is you've probably heard a lonesome dove he wrote that book and the last picture show fantastic movie with timothy bottoms dreth bridges want to give everybody credit some of these people in their first film ellen burnston ben johnson ben johnson cloris leachman randy quaid and sybil shepherd a couple people nominated for best actor best supporting actor one of them won and it basically was a huge hit and rocketed his career. He subsequently left his wife and two kids, moved in with Sybil Shepherd, who then had an affair. I just want to talk about this a little bit with Elvis. And gentlemen, I always love this story because, you know, your wife, you, you leave your wife for your girlfriend, your girlfriend, Sybil Shepherd, probably one of the hottest young starlets at the time. Right, gentlemen, in the early 70s. Oh, yeah. And she was a beautiful woman. And she has an affair with uh, someone else and you're going to get pissed, but Jesus it's Elvis. Sorry. I don't know why I'm defending Elvis, but you, you, you kind of have that one coming. Do you want to hear a funny story? What I've been told and what I've read is that he could never remember Peter's last name. So he called him Dogovich. Elvis said, you going home to Dogovich (laughs) anyway. So eventually they break up and there's more tragedy that befalls him. He falls in love with a young starlet again in the early eighties. Who's tragically killed by her manager and made a movie about it called star 80, which he's always hated. He also ended up marrying her sister who was 30 years younger than him. Did you guys know that? No. Yeah. Yeah. That was, he married, he was married to her in the eighties through some of the nineties and actually spent most of his later life after they were divorced with him, with her and her mother. Jeez. It, yeah. It's a little, yeah. You know, as as our,
2: as talented as he is, his personal life was a train wreck. It always it always was,
0: <laughs> but he made so many good things. Yeah. Dogovich also was really Paper Moon is one that people love that I like, but I I my problem is is it suffers from something that he can't help. You hate Ryan I, O'Neill? I just don't <laughs> like Ryan
2: O'Neill. Sorry, you, I didn't mean to step on you.
0: Do you? I, so. Uh,
2: okay side note um i saw i i stanley kubrick the only film of stanley kubrick's i had never seen was barry linden yep and i saw it this past year <laughs> and i call and i i didn't mind it i actually enjoyed it it's a good movie. Um, Uh, but then i didn't know joe's complete we've known each other for years and i did not know of his hatred of ryan o'neill and he went off on me about ryan (laughs) o'neill
0: like well it's just there's a friend of mine whom i knew when i was discovering cinema when i was a young teenager he ran a video store i'm gonna call him jerry that was his name i'm gonna say his last name he got into some trouble too (laughs) i often have friends who've gotten into trouble and they've left my life and Jerry introduced me to that movie, and he said, yeah, "Of course, you're 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 the number one director in the world, and uh, you're going to make this movie about the French. Is it the 17th century, right, Chad? Yeah, around Napoleonic times.
2: We're getting off topic, but it was because he couldn't make his Napoleon movie, so he made Barry Lyndon. If made I'm not Barry mistaken. Lyndon,
0: and then you cast who, Chad? brian o'neill Ryan o'neill <laughs> <laughs> It just, it's Dick Jerry going off on of that tangent in Eastern Kentucky 30 years ago or 20 some years ago, Chad, is just stuck in my head and it probably has influenced me a little bit, but I always think, and you cast fucking Ryan O'Neill.
2: Now I but will say this. he was this. star of
0: the time. He really yeah, was.
2: Yeah, and, and Ryan O'Neill, I have, in in other films, I do not like Ryan O'Neill. I'm with Joe. I just, he's a he's wooden okay. actor. He's
0: okay in Barry London.
2: But uh, yeah, he's just wooden.
0: Maybe it's um,
1: distracted by a fair faucet. Y'all ever think about that? That's true.
0: Well yeah. here, let back to it. For every huge film he'd have, there was an illegally yours, there was a Nickelodeon, which is a terrible picture. But there's also he directed Mask with Cher. He he directed To Serve With Love Too for the TV. <laughs> this was a which bad movie. I never reala- a- I ahead.
2: never realized Bogdanovich directed Mask. Yeah, he directed Mask. Oh. And He's got so many great comments about Cher
1: that seem like they're so very, very different. Uh, one quote that he has about Cher, let me make sure I get this correctly, is Cher is one of the most talented women I've ever met. She's got depth and emotions that haven't even been touched. He said that, but he also followed that with, Cher and I did not get along.
0: <laughs> yeah, not, not a shocker. One of... Um i'm trying to find the producer's name he also uh he also erwin winkler he also produced rocky he produced a couple of scorsese films you may have heard of called uh uh called raising uh raising shit a raging bull he also produced uh, casino and goodfellas but he produced nickelodeon and he told the story and this is good kind of son of a bitch peter Bogdanovich was he was on a horse directing and erwin walked up to him now this movie was made in the late 70s it's there's no reason to be on the horse and he said right. why in the fuck are you on a horse directing peter well john ford did it if jack ford directed on a horse and i should direct him a horse he did he said yeah but you're no jack fucking ford anyway <laughs> but he loved john ford and he did make some good movies the last great movie that peter bogdanovich made in my estimation is a movie that no one else has seen for the most part but chad it stars one of your favorite actors of all time one of your favorite character actors herman monster oh oh my god joe (laughs) help me come on chad no, dude,
2: my brain's gone today. I, what, what is it? It's called The Cat's Meow.
0: I actually forgot Herman's last name and was trying to get you to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's okay. Let me put it real, while you're doing it. I'm going to pull up The Cat's Meow because I want to yeah. talk about it a little bit.
2: Yeah, because now I can't. I'm so beating myself up because of my brain is fried and I can't remember the guy's name.
0: That's all right. He's, it's Edward he's one Herman. of my favorite. Huh? Edward Herman. Edward Herman. Well, this movie has Kirsten Dunst, Carrie Elwes, Eddie Izzard, Jennifer Tilly and edward herman if you've never seen it it's based on a semi-true story of a hollywood murder and Chad, i bet you've heard about this from several of your true crime podcasts i don't mean that in a bad what disparaging way It's just chad knows more about when william randolph Hearst yacht and yeah. there was a publicist who was murdered a producer who was murdered on it and uh, that's true and yeah. it was covered up and this movie is based on that of what really happened so but Eddie the is, our, is no
2: one. No one knows what happened. No That's one something.
0: knows exactly what happened because it was what? It was Rupert complete because because
2: William Randolph Hearst was a media mogul. I mean, he was the Rupert Murdoch of the 1920s. I'll,
0: um, Jennifer Tilly plays Luella Parsons. Luella Parsons had this famous uh, rag that she wrote about uh, basically what was going on with the stars, and she got a lifetime contract over whatever happened on that boat.
2: Right. Yeah. She, she ran, she worked for, uh, even before then she worked for Hearst exclusively, but, uh, that pretty much secured her livelihood for the rest of her life.
0: She had a lifetime contract. Eddie Izzard plays Charlie Chaplin, who also was there that weekend. So someone was murdered. This talks about what could have happened on that boat. It's, have you guys ever seen it? I love the
2: cat's meow.
0: Yeah. It's on IMDB for free. Another thing that I wrote, as I was talking about, he wrote several novels. He's a great writer. The only, only
2: sorry back to the cat's meow the only problem i had with the cat's meow and it's nothing bad is i just the, the big problem i had was i had a hard time picturing eddie isard as charlie chaplin i could never get into that performance i
0: agree i don't think he's chaplin i think he's slightly yeah. miscast he's a good actor but i think he's slightly miscast in that but other than that i love the film yeah and edward herman is one of the best character actors of all time chad's not wrong he i know yeah
2: him and Luis guzman
0: yeah louise guzman is a good comedy actor <laughs> i don't know if he's a great character actor he's a good hey, comedy actor.
2: the count of monte cristo
0: he's just funny in it. <laughs> i'm gonna go back to my original statement uh, so one of the things how i kind of other than i love targets when i saw it as a kid and then i saw the last picture show which back to the way by the way they made a sequel to it in the early 90s called texasville which is also a really good movie it's not in black and white but is this guy here, so if you're listening to it, you can't see, but it's called This is Orson Welles, and it's by him and Peter Bogdanovich, so Orson lived with Peter for almost a decade, he lived in the house, Sybil Shepherd can tell stories about them smelling a fire and walking up, and Orson had fallen asleep and left a cigar lit, and it caught fire in his room, and he wouldn't let them in, as <laughs> so he was trying to put it out, He and Peter had a love kind of hate relationship. I think Peter saw him as a father figure, as a mentor, and Orson loved him, but also hated him because he had all the success that Orson craved. And this, by the way, is armchair psychology. But one of the best books I love about Orson is his interviews that he and Peter did over the course of many, many years where he talks in depth about so many different things. I love This Is Orson Welles. It's one of my favorite books about Orson Welles. As many of you all know, Orson Welles is one of my, another person whom I doubt that I would have wanted to spend more than an hour with in a room, but love his art. So what did we say before? Love the artist, kind of love the art and try to ignore the artist. However, a quick story about this, and then I'll end my Bogdanovich, my Dogovich thing, is that when this was done, it was done in the early 70s. Well, Orson ended up signing another contract with another publisher and didn't give the money back on what he was supposed to do with this. So this actually wasn't published till well after Wells was dead. And Peter actually paid his part back, Orson's part back for him. Because Orson was once again, notorious for never having money. Like he lived with Peter for years and years and years. So if if you're a fan of Orson Wells, if you're a fan of John Ford, Read some of the books that Bogdanovich did. If you've never seen Targets or The Last Picture Show Last Picture Show or The Cat's Meow, those are the three movies I love by him. Targets, simply because what I know the story of how it was made and how little he had to work with and what a superior film he brought out of a system that didn't necessarily, Corman didn't necessarily always make superior films. But real
2: That's quick, Jeff, do you,
1: do you know two of the films that Bogdanovich said, he thought were his best
0: which were two are they it's not nickelodeon no saint jack and they all laughed yeah i i actually don't think i've ever seen saint jack well and here's
1: what he says about he says saint jack and they all uh, they all laughed this is from 2006 is when he said mm-hmm. this were two of my best films but never received the kind of distribution they should have so nobody knows um and real quick did you know he was working on a film when he
0: passed away no but that doesn't surprise me they all were they were always working i actually didn't realize he directed an episode of the sopranos too but keep going uh he was working on a project about the gershwin brothers oh so for and bess
1: and uh, um he was working on it with hold on i'm getting the name trying to get the name right of who he's working on it with but he was going to direct and one of the things he already said and he had full knowledge of is you know, I'm going to have to have another director with me because of my age. And he did have Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um and so, but um they uh Kashner, was who he was working on it with. Um and and so they wanted to do it in black and white, though, like the last picture show. Because if you don't know Porgy and Best, the uh, uh the uh the uh oh brain freeze.
0: Well, while uh, you're saying that, I want to go from Brothers.
1: Yeah, Uh, obviously we're historic. So it would have been another period piece because he loved period pieces.
0: One last thing. I'm so sorry before we go before I can move off of him. I I do need to give credit. He did a documentary for Turner Classic Movies is one of the better documentaries I've ever seen about Buster Keaton. Who he loved. He loved Buster. Yeah, Uh, and, and, and a lot of people feel that he has always been overshadowed and shouldn't have been by Chaplin. But Buster Keaton, he did one of the best documentaries I've ever seen about Buster Keaton. And if you get a chance to check it out, Turner Classic Movies. If you have it, do that. All right, who's next?
1: James and Cohen. neither one of them were Harold Lloyd.
0: Yeah, Mel Brooks talks about Harold Lloyd. You're right; he's he's often forgotten, and I've never seen. I've only seen snippets.
1: Oddly enough, the the, the children of Harold Lloyd almost filed a suit against uh, the Waterboy
0: because mm-hmm.
1: it takes heavily from the freshman starring Harold Lloyd, silent Boyd. film. Check it out. Yeah. Anyway, um. So, uh, Joe uh, Chad, you said you wanted me to go. Yeah, you go. I'm. I'm going to talk about the only person, and my notes were up, and now they've disappeared. Uh, but the only person we'll be talking about this evening uh, that was knighted by the Queen. Um, Didn't no know Lewis. That. And that would, of course, be the the recently late, not overly shocking that he passed away, Sidney Poitier. Now, if and, and by the way, this was. I had to figure out how that happened because normally Americans are not allowed to be knighted and Poitier was born in Florida. So how did he get knighted? Well, his family was not American. They just happened to be visiting Florida when he was born. They were from the Bahamas.
0: Oh, okay. And, and the Bahamas
1: a, at the time of his birth was.
0: Yeah. It's a protect, they still have a British ground. embassy there. Yeah.
1: It's Nassau. Were, it's a
0: beautiful white building in Nassau, right there off Main Street.
1: But they were under the crown, so they would he would be eligible for knighting. So Sir Sidney Poitier, he never used the Sir, but I, I'm going to give it to him now. Well, he uh, would, so, but
0: he'd only do it with, with
1: love. love. So like and couldn't avoid it. No, Sidney Poitier is. Uh, I mean, he, he 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 gets credit for a lot of things, and he did do just about everything.
0: Um, he directed he acted he wrote
1: yeah he he worked with uh talent uh most of no it, shit uh, james <laughs> no he uh, you didn't let me finish he worked with talent some of which we can still mention the other was bill cosby um oh, oh can no uh but it, honestly if, if you don't know who sir sidney poitier is i don't know what to tell you uh he he came up in a system that obviously was not welcoming to African Americans at all. And he made these films and and one of the things that was a great quote I read about him and I forget who said it. Joe you may know cuz it's a relatively famous quote and I think it was said by a director. I just don't know which one. Yeah. Was that Sidney Poitier made films that couldn't be edited. And what what he meant by that was there was a process in the 1960s that if you were going to have a film and you're going to have some African Americans in it and now you would want to put them in scenes that they could be edited out for a certain. marks was it Norman
0: Jewison? I'm just, I have no idea. I was just, that may be it. Norman I, Jewison I, I, directed I him in the
1: Heat of the Night. I need to look that. And they said that with Sidney Poitier, if he was on screen, you could, I mean, obviously, a he was the talent, but b he was just compelling. He, you just wanted to watch what he did. And so Sidney Poitier um, came up through a system. He was uh, part of the uh new york city african-american theater scene with harry belafonte they met and by the way they were both trying to work at their acts and they couldn't afford to live off their talents initially at i think about 15 and 16 years of age uh so they would like it was oh you're gonna act and then when the theater closes you're gonna sweep the floors you're gonna clean the bathroom. And it's just amazing to me to think about. You know, it wasn't enough that he had all this talent. He went on to win, obviously, a lot of awards. Uh, he won the. He was the first African American and the first Baham- Baham- Bahamian. Bahamian struggle. Uh, Bahamian, but what, but he was Bahamian. Baham- Bahamian. What is it? You know? I'm I, sorry. There you go. Anyway, but the first one to win an Academy Award for Best Actor. He went on to also receive two competitive Golden Globes, a competitive British uh, BAFTA, the British Academy Awards. He won a Grammy uh, for Best Spoken Word Album. Uh, I mean, he just did so much. When he passed, the, the outpouring came from everybody, from uh, uh, former President Barack Obama, Joe Biden, I mean, everybody came out and said great things about him. Now, he wasn't a flawless individual. If you want to pry into someone's social life, this is another time when probably need to separate the art from the artist a little bit. But he was married to uh, Juanita Hardy initially, married in 1950. They divorced in 1965. The problem was he lived with another partner, Diane Carroll, from 1959 to 1968. And you may notice there's a little bit of an overlap there in time. Whoops, um, that's
0: not I, his fault.
1: Well, I mean, you know, and <laughs> obviously, now the other thing about it though is much like Shirley Temple, Cindy much like Shirley Temple, he didn't just act, he went on to be an ambassador to Japan, he was an ambassador to a country, he was an ambassador for, uh, for UNESCO as well, UNSEC ESCO, sorry, um, and He won Lifetime Achievement Awards as well, obviously from the Academy Awards, but also BAFTA gave him the BAFTA Fellowship for Lifetime Achievement. His movies, uh, going back to the Defiant ones, which starred Tony Curtis, um, where they're escaped convicts together. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was where he got a nomination for Best Actor. And then he went on to play in Lily of the Fields, where he's a handyman working with German-speaking nuns a uh, in the field oddly enough i don't think he gets talked about much anymore but i can remember when i was younger people adored that movie speaking of porgy and bess and the, um he received a claim for it a race in the sun a patch of blue as joe made the uh reference earlier he did star in especially in and these all came out in 1967 which blew my mind three what were considered race relation films at the time to serve with love yes who's coming to get dinner and yeah, that's it's a, a different, different
0: kind of movie and it guess it's coming to get dinner
1: <laughs> <laughs> me i did it last time you son of a bitch guess he's going to dinner and in the heat of the night um which uh, carol O'Connor really overshadowed him in that joke's for four people anyway um and he was he won the academy award for best performance in in the heat of the night so he then went into directing and he directed comedy films like stir crazy. With- Can we
0: use pause real quick? Yeah. That's the, that's the one that blew my mind later on. I, I was a huge Gene Wilder fan and a, and a huge Richard Pryor fan. And it never would have occurred to me that stir crazy where they go to prison is directed by Sidney Poitier. Poitier yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one was the one that blew my mind. I was like, what? Who directed this? What? Well, he, so he directed for a while uh and then he decided to return
1: to acting and he did films that people still love to talk about shoot to kill came up in another one episodes recently and sneakers a lot of people have a soft spot in their heart for sneakers i do but,
2: i still love sneakers
0: i love soft sneakers
1: um he was originally by the way he was granted his knighthood in 1974 so it was not near the end of his life it was pretty early on that he got knighthood meanwhile i'm still working at it call me up queenie Anyway, uh, he so knighthood, Cecil B. DeMille Award. That was 1982. Kennedy Center Honor in 1995. Named number 22 in the top 100 stars of all time by the AFI. And then uh, was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. Now he did also make some. Uh, Let's just to save some films that weren't great. turkeys uh yeah yeah uh they were dry dry overcooked they were no um so some of the some of his um earlier works uh so y- you hear the big one good uh uh blackboard jungle got some attention but then you get some ones that have kind of been forgotten goodbye my lady edge of the city something of value. uh um, pop up in the greatest story ever told a and he also did narration for documentaries including one about king which was montgomery to memphis so it was not about elvis joe
2: mm-hmm.
0: but a different king yeah I got
1: um it. I, I thought you might uh he he also though pops up and i wanted to mention this because it's a place that i did not initially think he would pop up he pops up in some uh, documentaries obviously playing himself and one of the best pop-ups is of course in mr warmth the don records project
0: but you know is. that's what's one of the that that's a great thing about documentaries and specifically that one directed by john landis is just the people who intertwine right if you've been watching work well chad's going to talk about our next fallen person but the people who have just who were his friends and why we never think of this, right? People meet people. We have friends that people don't normally would associate yeah. with us, but Don Rickles and Sidney Poitier hanging out in the room talking.
1: Yeah. And just to be a fly on the wall. Right. Right. How cool is that
0: yeah. um, Cause you know, <laughs> one's Don Rickle. I'm sorry. I just, the, the shit that would have been said, keep going.
1: Well, so
0: he did direct. Now,
1: again, some of the stuff he directed is almost regrettable at this point. And I, I, who am I to say that? But um, the first film he directed was Buck and the Preacher, which is yep. him and Harry Belafonte. and I'll tell a story about the two of them momentarily. Um, but then A Warm December, that is largely forgotten, but then you get Uptown Saturday Night. Again, harry belafonte
0: mm-hmm. let's That's do one it I've again i've actually wanted to see that i've never been able i've never found a copy of
1: let's do it again which starred uh sydney poitier he directed it but it also stars bill cosby and jimmy walker uh so it was an all-star black cast it's about blue collar workers who decide they're going to rig a boxing match um you get the Star Trek episode, A Piece of the Action. Actually, it's not the Star Trek episode, but another Bill Cosby and Sydney Poitier mashup. Then you get Stir Crazy in 1980. Yeah. Uh, you get... That's followed by Gilda Radner and Gene Wilder in Hanky Panky. 1985, no. Fast Forward, which is a movie about a dance troupe from Ohio. I've never seen it. No idea. The last movie he directed... It's sadly Ghost Dad.
0: Oh, I didn't realize he directed Ghost Dad. Neither did I. How did I not know that? Yeah. Yeah, he directed Ghost Dad. Jeez. Um, What a (gasps) terrible movie. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's Ghost Dad. He's a dad who's a ghost. Oh,
2: my gosh. I remember being so excited. I did not know, but I remember being excited to see that movie just because I was a huge Cosby fan at the time. And the only thing
0: better than that would have been Leonard part six.
2: uh, (sighs)
0: So anyway, um, as as we think that sucked as a kid, I wonder how bad it is now.
2: I'm sure it's just as bad, if not more terrible, especially now you're like going, I should feel guilty watching this for more than one reason
0: maybe i don't know yeah sure,
2: sure, sure. <laughs> we'll just say that go
0: sure, go, james go james so there, is that all you got was, on Portier?
1: no no what i want to say so uh, poitier uh also was obviously involved in the civil rights movement uh he did get involved uh, so the summer of 1963 poitier joined harry belafonte and a legion of what were then considered liberal stars including Charlton Heston and Marlon Brando and they were involved in the wa- march on Washington. Charlton Heston? Yes, yes. Um, so the other thing though that happened that is is another reason we should take a moment and I actually talk about Sidney Poitier. I say if you're prime to his private life and you're worried about his marriage, yeah, you might be a little bit upset if you're not into, you know, adultery or whatever. But the other side of it is um the the idea. Of what he did, so Harry, Harry Belafonte and and uh, Portier risked their lives because they took bags of cash. They were doc- They put them in doctors' bags so people would think they were just you know medicine or something. And they actually drove them through Mississippi to bail out jailed civil rights demonstrators in uh, during the Freedom Summer of 1964. Now. We can talk about his movies, and I have. We can talk about his directing, Your Love of Ghost death. But there is also this other side to him. Not only did he play characters that challenged racial themes, Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier together went into Mississippi, which in 1964 was not exactly the place you would think they would want to hang out. But they felt serious enough that they felt it was really important. Poitier would go on to become friends with martin luther king uh obviously sadly briefly um and and so as we think about this and as we see that and if you go back and see some of the speeches Portier gave he began to refer to himself as the old man in 1960s uh he was just 40 years old but he, he started to realize that a lot of people didn't get 40 years either and so his involvement there his his work in the 1960s to actually not only make films that challenge racial themes, but actually to stand up and bail people out of prison and, and, and do things like that for the civil rights movement. The loss of Sidney Poitier isn't shocking. He was in his 90s. What, however, it means is that we do need to take a moment, not just talk about his films, some of which are really good, uh, but also acknowledge that he was more than just an actor. Right. He did do some things, some bad. Or challenging, we should say. Not necessarily bad. Well, everybody sucks. But he also did a lot of good, and he put his money where his mouth was. And, and uh, yeah. And so uh, Poitier once said about Martin Luther King, I know the fact that the courage of this man has made a better man of me. You are truly a new man in an old world. And so, you know, just to have that connection and to really put your heart into it and put your money where your mouth is, Sydney Poitier was more than an actor. He was he was a complete human being.
0: Right. Well, all right. Followed that up, Chad. <laughs> all right, Chad. All right. Time so, for you to talk about the next son of a bitch that's burned off this mortal coil or whatever it's so,
2: called. So, when we were first talking about this show,
0: motor, pe- I said motor coil. I meant to say I, mortal coil. <laughs> motor oil burned up. His motor motor oil. coil actually is the coils for motors. Keep going, Chad.
2: Yeah, and I don't think mine is going to be as long as your all's, but um, I do want to talk no, about. Sure, I can't
1: make it as long.
2: Yeah, and well, so the thing is, when we were sure. when we when we were developed the topic for this show, it was three deaths that just hit us all within a week, and you know, Joe was like, "Okay, we need to do this." When I'll take this actor, or I'll take I'll take Buck Donovich, James will take Poitier. Chad, can you handle the last person we're going to talk about, which James kind of hinted at, and. I was kind of hesitant because as much as I appreciated all three of these people, none of them had a personal tie to me at all. And then two days after we had developed the topic for this show, I looked at my phone and got an alert and my heart sunk out because we lost Bob Saget. You know, he was a very important part of my childhood. We knew where he was
0: at. He's in his body was in Orlando. (laughs) Yep. Pretty sure Bob wouldn't have got mad for me for making that joke.
2: Yeah, no, he would have, he would have. We didn't he, lose him.
0: Fucker no. died in Orlando. Yeah. He's still, uh, there. and Jeff I, Ross I, found his car at the airport with John Mayer. Interesting. Well, John yeah, Mayer posted the, the video. video. Yeah. Post the video chat. Go watch it. He breaks up three times crying. That's. John About Mayer. That, they're the ones who went and got his airport car from the airport because the son of a bitch is too lazy to not die in Orlando. and to go <laughs> get it for his widow. And then they bitched that the people at LAX would not. It's like, it's Bob Saget. He just died. They still made them pay the $200 parking. <laughs> but it all,
2: well, Jeffrey Ross may have had a problem with that, but John Mayer. <laughs> But no, uh, yeah, no. And I got, I just got a little choked up about it too. Uh, that's when I texted both of these guys and said, guys, Bob Saget just died. And I don't think either one of you knew at that point. No. And, and then I had to say, we had to revisit this. We had to revisit this topic because we had to include Bob Saget, um, because Bob Saget was an integral part of my childhood. Um, as much as I can't watch it now, full house was a huge part of my childhood. He was now there was another comp- uh, up until maybe ten years ago there was a competition as to who America's dad was, uh, but somebody else kind of fell out of favor, uh, and Bob Saget's kind of taken. Who fell out moment. of favor, Chad? <laughs> oh, did certain, he work uh, with Poitiers? He did work with Poitiers. It, it, it was it, it,
0: yes, it, he did. It was Harvey. Walked, how could you let us down?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he and and. Bob Saga took the crown as Danny Tanner. Um, now as a kid, I didn't have cable or anything like that. So I had my, my, my three stations. And if you had to tell me my top five favorite shows as a child, full house would have been at the top. Um, and you know, it was just every week he was, he was the perfect dad. He took care of his three daughters. He had his two best friends helping him along the way. Um, And, you know, he had a lot of smaller roles. He was a comedian at first, which I'm going to talk about later. But, you know, he had some small roles. He started out doing uh, an episode of Bosom Buddies um, and then Full Moon High as the sportscaster. I've actually never seen Full Moon High. It's one of those ones I've wanted to see just to see how terrible it is. Um, But then he did did some TV work um, until... Uh, one of those being my other, one of my other top five favorite shows as from, from my childhood, Quantum Leap. Um, but shortly after that, he got cast as Danny Tanner in Full House. And it was there that he stayed, He he did that show for how many years?
0: Oh, at least eight or eight, nine
2: years. Eight years, 1987 to 1995. And then he, he did some minor TV work, cameos, movies here and there. He had to, I believe he he actually did a movie based on the death of his his uh his sister, yeah. uh, who had a rare disease. And um, he, he did
1: fundraising for that up until he passed away. I mean, right? He he, he furthered science or tried to by fund, fundraising for sclo,
2: scleroderma, scleroderma, a connective tissue disease, is what it's called. Yeah, for the skin, um, it's
0: a very painful way to go.
2: Yes, and he has one of the, and this is one of those quotes that should go down in history. And it is so healthy to laugh and I'm out there doing it. And I know it's healing for people. That's one of the things he said um, regarding his, his, his sister's death and why he goes, why it's important to laugh. That's how he got through it. Um, but shortly after that happened, something amazing happened. And I don't know, and I'm going to ask this question to you all. Um, but first, I want to talk about what happened after 1997, the year 1998 hit. And then that's well, where we saw fall of 1997, like son of a gun, <laughs> 1998 is where we suddenly saw Bob Saget in a new light. First, we had half baked where he went on a tangent about sucking dick for crack. <laughs>
0: Pots, <nothing. laughs> suck that guy's dick. <laughs> and i'm like
2: what is this this and I is pause baby? real quick
0: he would later yeah. say what i said's not funny the guy you hear screaming i saw him do it too that's <laughs> the funny part <laughs> I don't sure? know. yeah <laughs> bob Saget has went on record more than once going, what i said not all that funny the guy you hear go i saw him do it too <laughs> <laughs> that's what's funny
2: and it's just you hear that and then the same year he directed dirty work which is just one of the great it's a classic now it's a classic comedy then it wasn't so much it kind of came and went but for us i, I loved it. it i loved it
0: i appreciate I, it more now than i did i didn't care for it that much at the time but now i, I like it oh man and
2: and the humor in it was just and I, I don't. Eighteen-year-old me was really into movie directors, so I had to know Bob Saget was was the director. But it didn't dawn on me that he was the director until like a couple years later. And then this is where I'm going to ask you all this question: When did you all first find out about his stand-up routines, about how he
0: actually did comedy? Sometime in the. So i'm Robert, i was in this mid to late 90s i was in college i'm sure and that bob Sagant wasn't wasn't i think i probably knew it a little bit i remember him being an interviewer doing something saying i just want to after the show ended say fuck the blah 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 i just want to say son of a bitch and shit and cunt well and, and that's and that's something and I, that's words.
2: something yeah and that's something i didn't even mention is also during that run of full house he also was doing america's funniest home videos yeah. Which again was yeah. this the other clean cut TV show. And I I want to do some, I haven't wasn't able to do the research on it, but I think he may have been the first person in history that had two top five shows simu- and on them simultaneously. Um Full House and America's Funny Stone Videos were in the top five TV show rating of, of that time frame. And he was the only person ever to do that. And I think till this time,
0: um it's all, still the uh, only hopefully, first. hopefully, yeah. He deserves deserves it.
2: God. And and again, seven again, that year, America's Funniest Home Videos. You know, again, it was Sunday night at seven o'clock. I had three stations. It was literally two and a half hours, three hours before I was to go to bed and start the week of, of not having a great time at school. And he, him along with the Simpsons kind of got me into that mindset of going, okay, you're going to be Okay. It was, it, it, it was comfort food, right? I mean, there
1: yeah. wasn't much... It subs- was YouTube before YouTube. Yeah, and it was, you know, and, and I think it's one of the things that, you know, it, none of it's memorable, right? I mean, no. I never think back to, oh, you know what, the good episode of, of America's uh, Funny and videos, episode 17. Nobody does that. Well, I'm sure no. somebody does. But to me, it... it continue your tradition like you were talking about chad the fact that came out on sunday and it came on sunday and it was just oh something to wind down something you're not going to be taxed by it you're not going to sit there and have to think about the esoteric meaning it was like hee-haw i mean it was it was escapism and silliness and it didn't really matter
2: just to see somebody get hit in the in the balls with a baseball that's that's all in
0: groin and he did all those annoying voices. I didn't know that at the time. I found out later. You didn't know those were oh him? Oh God. I well, okay. Out of the two out of the three of us. I hated this shit when it was on when I was a kid too. So I couldn't. Well, sit you had satellite homes.
1: though, right? Yeah, yeah, you, I you, did. I didn't have any and, options. I,
0: and I, I could. Yeah. I, then I I was subjected to America's Funniest Home Videos, and every once in a while there would be something because it's hard not to laugh at somebody getting hit in the balls. Chat, you're all football right. and growing, growing. Yeah. I mean, it's true. No. It's hard not to. But it was. Oh God.
2: Yeah, and then like I said, like, and, and like just like James just said, Joe had satellites, so he actually had options. We had. No, I had to watch stations.
0: that shit. Yeah, I, and there was other people in that house. I didn't get to choose, especially no, Sunday. That's that's my kids will never
1: understand.
0: And Sunday night, right, James? Right? Yeah. Because yeah.
1: I, I if I walk up right now, so I was playing video games. I walk up right now and say, "Daddy wants the TV."
2: I'll get. Yeah, you can wait. I will say this. Yeah, I was forced to watch uh, America's Funniest Home Videos because it was all that was on, and I had a, a house full of uh, six people, and. You know, I did I was like, okay, I can settle for this. America's most wanted. I'd I would go out of the room because I'm just like, I don't really want to watch oh. that on Saturday nights. But uh Sunday night, yeah. And it would, it would honestly All it would probably provide... America's Most Wanted. Oh God, yeah, God, I hated those shows. Saturday night was ruined. Um <laughs> but uh anyway, so yeah, those shows. But then James, when did you find out he was a, a dirty comedian? When did you find out that he was like that filthy?
1: James, this <sighs> is where
0: you go,
2: what? <laughs> well i mean i've got a story about that that i want to tell after james
1: honestly it's one of the things that i heard about long before i ever got to hear it right like yeah. i i can remember people saying like you know it being on watching full house and it may have been my dad even because you know my dad drove a long distance to work so he would listen to anything in his car books on tape Uh, tapes were these things that were like cds cds are like mp3s given form anyway uh but so i'm sure my dad had listened to probably some stand-up cassette tapes or something so i think my dad saying that's not how he actually is i I vaguely remember dad saying that back when it was on the air
2: yeah i'm
1: sure dad had seen his stand-up or heard his stand-up somewhere um but yeah so i kind of always knew uh and 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 to me even as a kid i'm like well good for him right i mean nobody danny tanner as a character man when when you were literally like oh put some spice on him and he could be the next uh, andy taylor
0: <laughs> you know i mean i honestly can't talk about full house because i bet you i have only seen a handful of episodes in my life
2: Oh man, I could probably, I could probably honestly tell you, I've seen every single episode of Full House. What about the new but he, one? no, I could, I uh, no, I can't watch that. Drew, uh, that's that's just tra- I, terrible. I can't watch it. I could, I, I I tried to watch the first episode, guys. Is it worse than the original? Uh, so uh, full. Or it I'll, be, I'll, original. Be, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. It's complete. It's the original. Uh, I've tried to watch the original, trying to recapture that love of it that I have. You know, the same mm-hmm. thing with animation. Like I love animation. I can actually watch animation and still find a love for it full house no Uh, it's one of those shows that uh it was just a product of its time for me and i have moved on from that that cheesy sitcom writing but yeah i mean it was danny tanner who was obsessed with cleanliness and everything was goody goody to holy crap he's telling a cock
0: joke (laughs) yeah oh it's not just about the cock it's about the placement of the cock the inappropriate placement of the cock the inappropriate yeah. family members that are watching the inappropriate <laughs> placement of the cock, but yeah, and it
2: was, and it was just, I was shocked, but but yeah, 1998, we saw a little bit of it in not only Half Baked, but his directorial debut in Dirty Work, and we had heard about it for years, and I had just never knew, I never seen the routines, and then. What, seven years later, when 2005, we get the aristocrats. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I see Bob Saget in all his glory. <laughs> and actually seeing him talk and do the joke, and um I, I'm going to butcher it. So, Joe, uh, James, I hope one of you can come in and save me with this. But when the one comedian is right before, it's building up to him telling the aristocrats joke, and they're talking about how filthy Bob Saget actually is. Yeah. And she goes, he put a box he 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 gave me a present put a box of tampons on top of the TV.
0: <laughs> it's the extra small size.
2: Yeah, it's the extra small size because he wanted her to envision
0: other people thinking she was tight. tight. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. You just don't want don't want to say it. Is that no, is it a I, girl I learned, bad thing or you? Just I
2: couldn't. Re- I couldn't remember the context. Yeah, no. She, so joke.
0: basically, what he did was he bought this comedian friend of his, and this but is not a this is not an insult. These are comedians. He's a comedian. He's one of these comedian comedians. Yeah, it's
2: all comedians who are friends who are telling each yeah, other jokes of
0: telling each other jokes, and everybody talking about how just how nasty Bob Saget was, and buying her the extra small tampons and telling so he could leave about out, so everybody would think she's really tight and small or yeah. vagina, <laughs> yeah. Well, she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> which is the point of the whole thing yes yeah her vagina was not tight and small
1: do, do you do you all i don't know if y'all know the story or not but it's something that i found fascinating which again goes against the Ta- danny tanner character that he played do you know what rodney Dangerfield's
0: widow gave him after rodney passed i know he and rodney were really close but yeah I don't.
2: after after um after he did full house and a couple of tv shows His next, he was a bit part in Meet Wally Sparks Mm -hmm. as a reporter. But yeah, James, go ahead. Joan Dangerfield (laughs) thought
1: that Bob Saget would uh, said, I think Rodney would like you to have this and gave Bob Saget Rodney Dangerfield's pot pipe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's going to say his robe or the dildo.
1: Nope. He owned Rodney Dangerfield's pot pipe at the request a variety danger fields with it
0: so bob I, I didn't know if you wanted bob saget oh, was hilarious but also probably not the funniest comedian he was really dirty but he's not the funniest comedian here's no. what set bob saget apart from most people in this world and i shared a quote about this on twitter and it came from james you re-quoted and you liked it and some other people i forgot who said oh i remember it was tom arnold tom arnold said the best thing you can say about Bob, the worst thing you'll ever hear about Bob Saget was from his friends. And by the way, when I go, if that is the nicest thing said about me, I have lived a good life. Yeah. Yeah. I have lived a good life because not one person you have seen, even including the fact that the man had an ex-wife has said one disparaging thing about him now in two weeks. Right. It is one video after another of, I don't know how I'm going to move on. He told me he loved me every day. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. He, everybody he
2: talked to or texted he would always end it with. I love you. And
1: and so one of the things that K has came up and it's actually on his trivia page on IMDb. If you go to trivia under Bob Saget, he is one of the only comedians to be hailed by sometimes the same source as both the best Comedian and the worst comedian, yep. And I, no, think, I, think,
0: he's, gets, I yeah, think he's, he's. I think he's the middle of the road comedian. Yeah, he's a middle of the road comedian above average person, above average. Yeah,
2: in. no, yeah, and and that's, and I'll 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 wrap up just because you know there are some things that I we lost, norm McDonald last year. We did a two, we did almost a two hour episode Man. on him. And that I guy is
0: the comedian's comedian,
2: and he is the comedian's comedian, and they Who? were best friends. There was talk of. Dirty work, too. Um, Who, by
1: the way, could not um,
2: – Norm Macdonald couldn't say anything bad about him at his own roast. No, yeah, he sat there and read, like, jokes out of a book, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: old jokes from 1920. Yeah, and uh,
2: – but, uh, yeah, it's just his, – his, his list of career is not as impressive as Bogdanovich or Poitier, but the level of people he impacted, I think – outweighs at least Bogdanovich, uh, in terms of, you know, what he brought to, uh, to just regular people. So he's going to be missed at a different
0: level than the other two. And well, well and it's, he was younger. He was yeah. 65, 66, 65. 65. And it's probably going to be, I would imagine, uh, most things I've read, it's going to probably be a heart attack or stroke or something like that, that he didn't know he was going to have That's going to, There's something out there for and, and us he all. He
1: did. He did. He had lost one, I think he had three younger or three sisters, one of which he lost a stroke when she was 34. Yeah. I'm not saying it could be a family issue, but as someone that has, Lord knows, if you cut my genetics open, I'm in trouble. Same here. <laughs> but he was he was working on and 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 you mentioned Twitter and all the outpouring. One of the things I think is Patton Oswald tweeted, he just interviewed me for a documentary two weeks ago or something like that. I may have the
2: exact timeline wrong, but... And I was trying to figure out if that was the Martin Mole documentary. So I, I really I Martin really would Mould. like to... See, I hope they finish that because I would love to see a Martin Mole documentary. Well, allegedly in, in IMDb,
1: you know, hit or miss, it sometimes credits people that aren't in it. Don't worry, uh, Mr. Uh, Philip Huber, I remember. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not accurate, but it says that it's now in post-production. So hopefully that is true. Hopefully they can finish that. If for no other reason, and, and I love Martin Mole. But if for no other reason, also to to honor, you know, Bob Saget's last work there, and he also had one pending film coming out, um, which is Killing Daniel, which was complete, so that should be released. Uh, I know nothing about it, um, but it's 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 eventually probably going to come out.
0: All right. Sure. all right so yeah if you get a chance one last thing i'll say um it's on instagram john Mayer, and jeff ross going to the airport of all the two people to be riding together in a prius but was to pick up bob's prius from the airport and because they'd been hanging out in his house which was filled which was they kept joking a full house full of people from fucking full house foraging for food going who's going to go get more food for the last few days talking about their missing friend and it's kind of heart wrenching. He does a really good job for the first seven or eight minutes, but you can actually see John Mayer having an issue dealing. And he says, "With I've never lost anyone. And the one person who I'd call to ask about how you're supposed to deal with this is the one I lost. Yeah, it's rough. So anybody who has friends from Rodney Dangerfield to John Mayer to Jeff Ross, who's our last one, gentlemen. Betty what Betty, Betty white, what? and the thing is with Betty is that she was 99 years old. She was almost a hundred. I, I, I knew her from, I'm of a certain age. If you're, if you're older than me, then you knew her from, uh, Rhoda or Ma, uh, you knew her from, uh, let's see what else you knew her from the Mary Tyler Moore show. She was also on Rhoda. correct? Yeah. Then you'd know her from match game, which is her husband was a host who she missed whom for the last 30 or 40 years she talked about how she i think you're thinking after- of
2: password, password match game match game was also,
1: Gene Rayburn. joe made several appearances on santa barbara did she really yeah
0: yeah i didn't know betty white was on santa barbara
1: it was uh, she it, it was an in show i guess kind of joke that you could win a contest and you got to meet Betty White so she played herself effectively
0: something like that I don't I didn't watch Santa Barbara I did well I did I had it was another one of those I was subjected to it came on after another world so yes. days of our life Days of Our Lives oh, was on at one, and then two, and then three. So yeah. what I was going to say is is Golden Girls. I watched the Golden Girls as a kid. You guys were subjected to other things. I was subjected to Golden Girls. I actually love Golden Girls. As I got older, I loved it even more. To this day, I wish I could get the little son of a bitch four-and-a-half-year-old to watch it with me. He just kind of tunes out because he doesn't get any of the jokes. I think it's a show. and They're not all hit and miss, but God bless America, it still holds up. And One some of, of it, it is was... really is like, how the hell did they get away with that on Saturday night on NBC? Well, and here's what I was
1: going to say. And this is what makes it different than Full House and why you can go back. There are episodes of Golden Girls that went over my head when I was a kid. Yeah. But there's also episodes that actually say something. There yeah. is an episode and credit to Betty White's acting here but there is an episode that makes it almost like all in the family where she has to deal with, she may have AIDS from a blood transfusion. Yep. And and you've got to remember when that show was set, that was, you, you didn't watch Saturday sitcoms and, and want to deal with AIDS.
2: You didn't. Uh, was, and so. Yeah. You either watch people get arrested or, or look for people to get arrested.
1: Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> wanted to watch Jessica Fletcher kill
0: 17 people, and blame it on somebody else. <laughs> Well, it, was, that was, it didn't even stop there. They did, they did a show about, uh, about uh, fertilization, about just going to the sperm doctor. That had never been done on television at the time, at the 80s. Blanche's daughter wants to do that. They did a show, several shows on acceptance of homosexuality, which not, mm-hmm. I mean, other than Soap, was the only other show I can think of before that that dealt with that, at least on a serious level and it was a funny show oh, yeah. oh cross-dressing i don't even know if people remember but B. arthur's brother on the show uh, phil they always talked about phil mm-hmm. but sophia always had jokes about he's a cross-dresser yeah yeah anyway I, I i love the golden girls that's where i learned betty white then i learned and then she actually has one of the best lines in cinema history in the last 20 to 30 years of cinema history what is it gentlemen Are you talking about from Lake Placid? It's from Lake Placid. you want me to do it? Go do it. This is where if I had a dick, I'd tell you to suck it. Good. (laughs) Yep. I hope the crocodile wins. (laughs) She loved animals. She was a huge animal rights. Her and B. Arthur and Rue we against fur before it was fashionably fashionable to be against fur. Betty White turned <coughs> down the mom role. And as good as it gets because gets. of the scene where the puppy dog is shoved down where Jack Nicholson picks it up, he doesn't kill the dog or anything. It's just a scene in a movie. But when he puts it down the laundry chute, she refused to be in the movie. Can, can, I, I, and I'm jumping. Well, she did Lake Placid. I, but it, in her fairness, the, the, mo- the crazy person in Lake Placid is pulling for the crocodile.
2: And James, before you go on, I do want to talk about, and you know, she also was such an animal advocate that she fought Bob Barker. Um, There was an, at a zoo in in California, they had an elephant exhibit and they were trying to expand it to help preserve elephants. And Bob Barker was against it because he didn't want them being put in a zoo. Betty White gave them money to expand it out. And Bob Barker was so pissed. He would not attend an award show if Betty White was going to be there. In all fairness, I would go over. I would pick Betty White over Bob Barker any day of the week. James, what was your? What were you going to say? I'm sorry I didn't mean to mean interrupt you.
1: No, no. I, there, there's there's two things that came out over on Twitter. Two two very different people shared. One is now obviously it's been 20 years since Golden Girls was on the air. Uh, Golden Palace actually was the one that he worked on, but he, it, no, it was Golden Girls. Anyway, he was a writer. He wrote I don't know four episodes of Golden Girls, but he got to be on set. And he said years later. He's went on to do other stuff. I'm forgetting who it is. I apologize, but he was saying years later, I I got to do another thing that Betty White was part of, and and I assumed she would not. It's been 20 years, and I was a writer on a couple episodes. Who am I? And he said, so I went in and I was like, "It's great to be working with you." I thought I'd have to tell the entire story, and she said, "You're the writer. You wrote and." She went on to say, and actually this is a quote that's on her IMDb page as well. She loved the writers. She appreciated what they brought. And the quote that she has on the IMDb page is, the writers are the stars of every really successful sitcom. That if you're doing a sitcom and you're going to keep it fresh and keep people laughing, you need good writers. That's a great story. But I also appreciated the fact that in counterpoint to that, and if you've seen Golden Girls, you know the exact scene where they let her ad lib and B. Arthur and Rue uh, McClanahan break character, but they kept it in the show because it was just too. Because they're asking her about um, the the uh, mackerel circus or something, about back in St. Olaf and all that stuff. And she goes, oh, no, it was. This either the two families were fighting because the sturgeoners wanted to raise the fish for farming to sell for food, and the other family, the oglesons, they wanted to sell them for you know the sturgeon circuits. And B. Arthur's line back is supposed to be, What was the sturgeon circuits like? and then they just let Betty White ad lib. If you've not seen this clip in a while, go and watch it. It is hilarious because she starts going and then B. Arthur again it's she starts laughing in reality but they keep she just keeps going she goes rose did that what did that involve And they go they didn't they didn't shoot a, a fish out of a cannon did they oh only once and then the other fish wouldn't go and we're <laughs> playing a hand loses it and they're just laughing and she starts smacking the tape they left it in it was all I had lived, so an appreciation for writers in that. But the other story that I love and one of the most heartbreaking tweets I think I saw about it, because it, you know I, I I don't remember the movie to be honest, but Ryan Reynolds tweeted out a, a behind-the-scenes thing, and I guess it was actually done as kind of a, a DVD bonus feature, an ad um, about working with Betty White, and he said she was phenomenal. And he said, but I think I need to share this clip again. And, of course, it's all stages. Betty White comes over. You know, she's sitting in her acting chair, kind of the director's chair. And Ryan Reynolds goes over and goes, hey, uh, Betty. And she goes, I want my coffee. Yeah, no, But, Betty, we've been making this film for three weeks together. I'm Ryan Reynolds. I'm an actor. I'm the, I'm the love interest in the film. I think it's the proposal, but keep going. It is a proposal, but anyway, but but I'm 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 the love interest. I'm I'm I'm, yeah yeah. Well, I don't care who you are. When Betty White says she wants coffee, somebody gets Betty White her coffee, and they go back and forth, back and forth, and finally, Ryan Reynolds loses his temper and screams at her, "You're just a terrible human being. You're awful. I don't know why anybody wants to work with you." And Sandra Bullock comes over and and says, uh, "Oh my God, why are you talking to Betty White? Like, this is this is America's grandmother." You can't talk to her like this. You're. She sells tickets. Nobody cares who Ryan Reynolds is. Nobody cares. I sell tickets. I'm America's sweetheart. This is America's girl. Nobody cares about you, Ryan Reynolds. And in the background, Betty White's flipping him off. <laughs> <up. laughs> Where only you know, and it's all stage, but it's just so funny because again, it plays to the fact that she liked dark humor. She could play it well, like Placid being an example of that.
0: She, she was the slutty one on Mary Tyler Moore.
1: Yeah, she. Oh, we remember. The girl, we never,
0: remember her as Rose, as the ditzy idiot which, from uh, oh,
1: originally, they wanted to cast her as Blanche and Blanche, she but want she to wanted, wanted to
0: play Rose. That's right. Rue McClanahan was not the one. It was going to be Betty White as Blanche. Yep. But she wanted to play Rose, and she still she went to her grave saying Rose was her favorite character she ever played. And by the way, Chad's right. It was password. I couldn't remember. The, it's Alan Lunn. And that was her second yeah. husband uh, and she you doubted me. No, I couldn't remember. You Alex want to come and, at me, bro? No, I've too much COVID. That was yeah, a third good, husband, good point. Good point. good point. Too much. COVID. I've, got, I've got, I've got some, ch- 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 I've got some, ch- hey, is your ch- ch- your second or third husband? Third, he died third. early as a heart, you know, <clears throat> in the early eighties yeah. and in his sixties. And she missed him till she passed. She talked about, she eventually, you know, what she really wanted was to have a drink with Alan.
1: Yeah. The, um, but i do love some of her quotes about that because he, he had been dead for quite some time mm-hmm. and one of my favorite quotes that she has about that topic is there's this too uh i think older women still have a lot of fun and can still have a lot of fun and laugh uh, life um and then let me get it because i don't want to misquote her because heaven forbid uh let's see I just had the quote and I lost it. I've enjoyed the opposite sex a lot, always have, always will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So Betty White, well, national treasure. Everybody loved her. Um, did so much for animals. Uh, I just think her and Bob Barker having a slap fight would have been hilarious. I didn't know anything <laughs> about the Bob Barker thing till she died, either. Chad. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. Over elephants in a zoo.
1: But, you know, the other part about it is,
2: you know, she... And all Bob Barker want to do is spay everybody. That'd save them. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things Even the male she... elephants, spay them. That isn't how they work, Bob.
0: <laughs> spay and neuter. Um, Actually, I got both sides of that argument.
1: Uh, you know, the, the the other thing is, though, what, what some people know more, more recently, and I guess it's 2010, it's been quite some time, but when she hosts the Saturday Night Live, and it was if you go back and read some of the interviews she talks about after she did it you mean with her moist muffin yeah well and she says she'll never do it again she says it's too hard and and she was too nervous and i was like betty white being nervous but it was live
0: well and she she saw she saw she lived history she was around from the 40s to 2022 Barely well, 2022. Yeah, the one the one the one comparison, and
2: I hate it every time. Every time I look a- up something about Betty White online, it's the first thing you see.
0: Yes, she was older than sliced bread. I oh, wish you really. I didn't see. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. It, I didn't. You know. seriously oh, yeah, never yeah. seen that? I hadn't, that. Seen, never that. I hadn't that? seen that. No. You everywhere. look up
2: Betty White facts. It's everywhere. She's older than sliced bread. Yeah. It's like, no. With
0: the fi- yeah, I didn't see that, but she was there for the Donna Television and worked in entertainment when women didn't work in entertainment in that capacity, till. 2022 well and and 2021
1: um and and there's also speaking of which the the um oh oh not that sorry i was making a note and i messed up um she was also known for pushing boundaries talking about sydney poitier but she famously one of her early shows got canceled because she had an african-american dancer on and i'm forgetting the the gentleman's name but and they told her you don't need to do that you shouldn't do that you'll have to cut that and she goes no i'm not going to and i mean that was 1950s yeah and she was like no it's i'm not gonna do it i'm not going to uh um
0: allow that to happen so well i think we probably should start wrapping it up um so, let me go ahead i just got a question for you all so uh
2: i do want to briefly mention uh two losses that we had in the previous year that we can't do a whole show on but they were equally devastating to me i actually did cry a tear when i read both of these and they were pretty in quick succession um so we did lose Marky post and charles robinson two stars of night court two of those, those two people had a very important part of 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 me uh and with them gone it, uh, it feels like it felt. It really felt like a piece of me left with them because they just were very important to me in my childhood and in my adulthood. Because
0: I still do love Night Court. And it's yeah, Night
1: Court sh- is is a timeless show that doesn't get aired the way it should.
0: Yeah, Night Court and Wings to me are the two unappreciated too.
2: I completely agree with that statement. At completely, those were two shows that I loved as as a child, and I can still watch to this day and find enjoyment. I
0: haven't own. watched either one in a long time because it's actually harder to find Night Court.
2: Yeah, uh, I've almost bought the complete box set of the entire series on DVD just so I, I can have just
0: it. Do that because yeah. it's harder and harder. Ne- is that even streaming anywhere? Uh, I think you. Can, I going to look that up in a minute. Yeah. I think you can find Wings, but I think Night Court's hard to find. Yeah. Uh, so By anyway, way.
2: that's all. I just wanted to briefly mention Marky Post and Charles Robinson. We lost them recently too, and it was it was just a hard loss for me to see those two go, especially that uh, Charles Robinson was at that age. Marky Post was still relatively young died of cancer it was rough
0: so that's it Real, i'm an idiot really, it's all on amazon <laughs> sorry really quick
1: it and, is and, and i want to i know I'll, i was like
0: Woo-hoo, i want to add it
1: i want to jump back to, to betty white and actually more i guess the entire cast of golden girls because she was the last surviving major cast member even though she was the oldest that being
0: said Hold the on. Yeah. Well, she, she's slightly older than Estelle? Was it her then Rue and then Estelle and then Betty no, White it's was not, Rue was the youngest. I'm so sorry. It was Betty B Estelle and Rue. Rue was yep. the youngest by almost 10 years.
1: Yes. Yep. She, um, that being said that the, the uh, thing that I was thinking about is how often their careers intersected because oddly enough, Betty White, even though being older, Betty White portrayed uh, Ellen Harper, who was the niece of Rue McClanahan's character on Mama's Family. Oh, really? Yeah, and Maude, which was um, obviously B. Arthur, but that show had appearances by other Golden Girls. And so I was just wondering, I wonder if anybody's ever tracked how often their careers intersected, even if it was just in guest appearances
0: well they knew each other they all knew yeah. each other beforehand i don't know how many times i have uh b was the was the pain in the ass in the show
1: yeah yo and, b and was actually,
0: the was the contrarian
1: yeah that was one of the things because i mean obviously they could uh
0: and her and b did not get a, she she never yeah. thought b liked her and i actually don't think that b cared that much about her
1: yeah yeah well but you know and, and, and this is the flip side of that argument how many how many of us work with people that we don't necessarily, you know, want to hang out with outside of work, right? I
0: mean, every mm-hmm. damn day I work with you. I mean, forget it. What were we talking about? No, I mean, I get it. I get it.
1: I'm I'm a lot to take. I mean, you've you got to handle You sure
0: are. You're more man than <laughs> gotta- and
1: with that note, I think. I was actually dumb- gonna make it into a joke where I'm like, you gotta handle your uh, your unwanted advances toward me so I don't turn you into HR. Woo.
0: And with that, sorry that this was a depressing episode, but we wanted to try to get several people in who were what we've said before iconoclast. So this has been bonehead weekly. Anything to add? Hopefully nobody else dies and we don't have to do another one of these episodes for a while. Well, actually I'm just going to stand on. Hopefully no one else. We know close to us dies. Okay. I'm the only one hoping for that. I mean, no, no, I, but I mean, if we could just not have
1: any icons die for a while, I was saying, though, and and we this is not an invitation to have a betting pool, but as I was sitting there going, oh, my God, we've lost, all of a sudden, I started to think, what other icons do we have left Mel that are, that they, and that's what I want, Melbourne died. Oh, Jesus.
2: Joe, what did you just do? <laughs>
0: Van it's Van Mel Brooks. Brooks. They're all in their 90s, dude. It's Mel Brooks. I know, David but Dutton. usually when, when we say We also didn't like do that. a show about Carl Reiner. We could spend two hours on Carl Reiner. Oh, man. yeah, easily.
1: Just his right, anyway. But Mel Brooks, Dick Van Dyke, William Shatner, I was sitting there going, oh, my God. We, They're all in their I, 90s. All these icons that I grew up watching in reruns because that's what the local channels aired. And I'm like, oh, man, we're, we're going to lose them. And, and, and I hope I'm, I'm not wrong. Eventually, it will happen. But I was just thinking,
0: man, I I don't know. Like,
1: I yeah,
0: I, I don't want to live in a world without Mel Brooks. I don't either. But I also want don't I want him to go before me? Well, yeah, so, no, there we go. <laughs> Unless he quote, lives to be two hundred, in which case, okay, I'm okay with it. To quote Abe Simpson,
1: "Oh, I, I never thought I'd know the joy about living my child." <laughs> that's a dark yeah. episode, by the way.
0: Yeah. All right, this has been Bonehead Weekly. <laughs>